Before we get stuck into today's episode, we'd just like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are currently recording. We are both on the lands of the Ngunnawal people. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We would also like to reiterate, as always, that any views expressed in this episode are our own. We are not speaking on behalf of the industry. We are just speaking from our own limited scope of experience and opinions. We think, you know, we think we're pretty educated, but we don't <laughs> know everything. Um, and we can't know what we don't know. Exactly. Welcome to Somebody You Love or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. So we have for you another instalment of Turned On, which you probably already know because you can read. And today we're going to be doing a bit of a meta reaction because we are reacting to a piece of media about sex work that I am a part of. So we thought that might be an interesting perspective i don't know maybe it's just narcissism yeah i'm feeling that so what we are reacting to is a compass tv special called nude next door um which i personally find kind of hard to say but anyway um like nude next door like it it Mm. doesn't it doesn't Mm. kind of flow so the criticisms have already begun (laughs) uh so this was produced by the abc which here in australia is the australian broadcasting corporation and yeah i think it's an hour it's a 55 minute something like that hour special you can watch it on iview which is the abc like on demand player app but of course if you are not based in this country then you'll probably need a vpn i'm assuming But yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, it might be a good idea to watch it before listening to this episode. But it's not like there's going to be any spoilers, so whatever. But you might want to know what we're talking about. Otherwise, it's probably pretty boring to listen to us talk about something that you don't know what we're talking about. Do you think? I think some of them do that every week. Oh, (laughs) I suppose. How sweet. You guys are nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to start off just by really broadly saying I think that Siobhan did a really good job. Um, So Siobhan was the host, like the presenter? Yep. Yep. And I think she was one of the main people who yeah she there was three work. like researchers yeah. and she was one of the researchers as well she yeah. wasn't just the face definitely yeah. i think she did a really great job i think she definitely didn't come across as perturbed by the work or there was no sort of stigma and, mm. and shame in the way that she approached sometimes you get these sensationalist people present things like this and there's a lot of questions that are really demeaning and reactions and facial expressions and body language that i suppose when you're part of a marginalized community you pick up on it's so mm. those things that you know are often called um, microaggressions and they're, they're things that people don't even realize they're doing sometimes that are, are sort of offensive so I just felt yeah that Siobhan really approached it in a really human way and uh, had great questions and felt very um, non-judgmental and mm. that was mm. quite refreshing and comforting just to give everyone some I guess some insight of my experience of being involved in the program because it took about 18 months I think from the time I was first contacted by them to when it aired and that was mostly because of COVID things get kept getting pushed back and changed around but like my experience was overall incredibly positive which is definitely not something you can always say about interactions with the media but all of the people involved at every level that was the experience I had with them Mm. I did not feel like there was any judgment I felt like they were very kind of neutral I also really felt like they listened to me which is 
kind of unusual in that environment. A lot of the time when, and I've not had a huge amount of media experience, but I've done a few bits and pieces. And a lot of the time it's very clear that they have a story to tell and that they are looking for people to find, to fit the characters of that story. And so you're really just a pawn in that. Um, And sometimes you go into it knowing, well, this is what I'm doing here. And, you know, I've done media pieces where the people who have sort of prepped me for it have said, really what we're aiming for here is damage control. We don't think this is going to be a good piece of media, but we're hoping we can make it not as shit as it could be. So really, sometimes you go in with really low standards, mm-hmm. um, but that was not not the case here at all. And what I found was I think that they were really led by the people they spoke to. They were led by the research, which I don't have any experience in journalism, but that's my maybe naive view of what journalism should be, right? If it's investigative journalism, you should be going out, researching the subject and then kind of presenting your findings. And it's about researching your subject in the right way and using the right sources. And I think for the most part, they did do that. So there were things like, for example, like we spoke, I think I did four separate interviews with them including the stuff that was that was shown in the um, in the documentary. And they were quite extensive and we talked about a whole lot of stuff. As you guys know from the podcast, I can talk a lot. You know, I've got a few little things that are that I'm really passionate about. Like obviously the project was related to online sex work. But whenever somebody wants to talk about online sex work, I'm always gonna be like, okay, but what about in-person sex work? <laughs> That's just a real thing of mine because I really think, you know, online sex work can't exist without in-person sex work. It's a relatively new thing, of course, because online is a relatively new thing. And I also think that a lot of the efforts to kind of destigmatize online work actually really perpetuate the hierarchy and throw a lot of other workers under the bus. So that's something that I'm like, okay, like I'll give you an interview about online sex work, but we're not going to forget about all the other types of sex work. And they were really receptive to that. And they certainly didn't shy away from that at all. Whereas a lot of people might go, you know, oh, oh I don't know if we want to talk about that because, oh, you know, and they, and they didn't. So I really appreciated that. There was this moment that I got really worried because they were interviewing me and I was talking about how I really hate how we're always asked about whether the industry is ex- exploitation or empowerment. And we're always sort of put in either one of those categories. And um, at that time, the producer said to me, oh, that's really great. Can you say that again? Because actually we're thinking of the title of the show being OnlyFans, Exploitation or Empowerment. And I was like, oh, oh, mm, well, like, but, mm, but the point, like what I was saying (laughs) is that that's a problem. Like that's exactly the issue I had, but through their journey of talking to all of us, they realized that was actually not really the best angle. And I really respected that a lot. Something I really realized in this experience is these sort of more mainstream media pieces that the audience is so different to the audience Holly and I are used to. And, you know, like sex workers are very critical of the representation of sex work in media as we should be, you know, with, with really good reason. And we should continue to strive for the best possible representation or the most accurate representation. I kind of realized that that is, it's really tough I guess. So during the recording, and actually I'm so bummed that this didn't make the cut. They had kind of a similar moment with one of the other um, people, one of the other, they call it talent, but I sound like a fucking wanker 
calling myself the talent. But anyway, one of the other talents, talent, I don't know how that works. Interviewees. Um, interviewees, there we go. But they asked me to show them around my workroom because I've got all my like toys and like all the bits and pieces you need. And so I was pointing them around the room and then I said, and of course, you know, this is always plugged in by the bed. And I held up a wand vibrator, which is like just a very, I thought, a very, very common sex toy, something like, a lot of sex workers have for sure, but also a lot of non-sex workers. And Siobhan, who, oh, I just adore Siobhan. I really like her as a person. Total side note. She was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's a like a magic wand. She was like, what's that? I was like, oh, what? And then I asked Lou, the producer who was there, I said, do you know what this is? And she said, no. And then the person on camera and sound, there were two people, they were both guys. And I said, oh, these guys know what it is. And they both looked completely blank. And I was like, what? Am I being punked? Like, is this a secret camera show? Are you not all currently researching a show about porn? Have any of you ever watched porn? What is happening? And then Siobhan was like, what does it do? I said, oh, right. Like it vibrates. I realized I hadn't said that. And she was like, can you show me? And so I turned it on and I put it on the back of her palm. And she was like, oh, that's really nice. And I said, yeah, now imagine it on your clit, <laughs> which I was like, come on, that's good TV, guys. That is bloody good TV. So that didn't make the cut. But that really made me realize, you know, what I love about discussing the sex industry is the nuances and the nitty gritty. And it's so like, there's so much intersectionality and so much gray area and it's not black and white. And I, I find that, oh, it excites me. I find that really thrilling. But in that moment, I was like, oh... Like our audience doesn't know what vibrators are. Okay, fuck. Like this is, and not even, not even just that they maybe don't know what that is, but that that's going to really capture their attention and that all of the nuance is going to get lost because they're just going to be like, oh, vibrator. Like that's really going to, and I was like, shit, man, this is hard. So anyway, I guess I just wanted to say when I was watching the show, I have to say that my overall, I felt like it was, it did not dive into the the nitty gritty as much as I really would have liked, but I've realized that they can't like, it's sort of, yeah, the audience is just a lot broader than what I'm used to. And it's a, like, you're still going to make something entertaining. Like this is the, this is the issue with the media, right? Like it's still, you know, all the stuff that I really get off on talking about policy and stuff. That's not interesting. No one fucking cares. So yeah, that was something that I uh, was like, Oh, I've really got to, I've really got to take a step back from this. Okay. I will also share that I was petrified leading up to the airing of the show. I think because it's always nerve wracking when you do media, but um, this was a lot larger scale than I had done before. And when I signed up for it, I didn't actually, I don't think I really clocked how um, kind of mainstream it was and how all of my parents' friends watch the ABC and um, yeah, that sort of thing. And I had received calls from two different people at the ABC leading up to it sort of saying, look, you know, because of the topic, we're likely to get backlash. They had already started getting some backlash when they'd announced the program. Um, and they said, because your face is out there, we, we are concerned, you know, you're going to get trolling and, and hateful comments and all that sort of thing. Um, so we're just letting you know, like we have a legal team, we have resources, blah, blah, like, please contact us. Um, which was so lovely, um, but also terrifying. I was like, oh God, they are really preparing me for the worst. Um, but I was like, but also that's great. And you know, I said to them, I was like, babe, like 
I'm a sex worker on the internet. Like I, I've handled a lot, but you know, everyone has their breaking point and we all go up and down in how well we handle that sort of shit. So I was, I was really nervous. What I found interesting was I was speaking to the producer on the phone the day before it came out. So they had released an article, like a companion article the day before, and they'd received quite a lot of backlash about that. Um, from like, she described them as like the puritanical kind of, you know, sex is bad people. And so she was calling to warn me about that. And I was like, Oh, I'm not worried about those people. Like, I don't give it like what? I don't give those people the time of day. The two groups of people I do give the time of day. Well, no, not the time of day, but the two groups of people I, I was concerned about. Number one is the Swerfs, not because I care about them, but because they, they have a, they can come up with powerful narratives and they can have influence, I think. But the main group I was concerned about is my own community. I was like, babe, I don't care what Puritans think about it. I care what sex workers think about it. And you guys should too, because if you have fucked this up, like, I don't know if you know what the sex work community is like when you fuck us over They're they're a scary bunch. We are a scary bunch. (laughs) So I was like, don't worry about the churchies. I'd be worried about the whores. But when I watched it, I was, I think I'm happy with everything, all of my words that were included. And I guess to be completely vulnerable, the other aspect that I was afraid of was just how I would physically look. I was quite, you know, I was, I was really worried about sitting there and having to watch myself looking really unappealing in my, in my mind. And it's interesting because I told my mum about that fear and she was really surprised. And I was like, what? As if that's the, that's normal, isn't it? I'm yeah. sure everyone would feel that way. Yeah, I think so. And she was like, oh, well, it's just, you know, you put yourself out there. And like, I think I, I suddenly realized in that moment that she thinks because there's nudes and everything of me out there, that that must mean I'm really confident in my body and that I love the way I look, which is absolutely not reality. And I don't think it is for most people in that position. And it made me think like, no mum, like that's my job. Remember how sex workers work? Like, like that's, I'm just doing my job. That So that was interesting that someone so close to me still had that misconception, I guess. But anyway, I thought the way I looked was okay. I was fine with it. So that's good. All right. Now tell me what you thought of the show. Um, I mean, my first thought, and I feel like, I feel like a lot of people think this, but then there's a lot of people that don't, is just how exhausting OnlyFans seems. I think there is so much of this rhetoric of, you know, I'll just get an OnlyFans and, and that sort of thing. And it's sort of like the old thing people used to say, I'll just become a stripper um, without knowing the actual amount of work that goes into it. But um, watching... Uh, watching that documentary and also just knowing OnlyFans creators, it just, it's overwhelming. The amount of content to create, the, the keeping people engaged, the constant like back and forth with DMs, if that's the way you want to do it. And then putting yourself on all of these other social media sites to try and gain that attention and to get those fans and those followers seems huge, just a massive amount of work. And I just watch it and think exhausting. It's fine. If you just want to make a little bit of money and you're playing, you know, but mm. the people who really go at it, they go hard. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people realize how much work is involved. I think that our community sort of does. And I think the people that listen to this podcast and mm. stuff would probably think of those sorts of things, but the general public, yeah, I think a lot of them do think you just put a photo of your tits up and people send you money, but there is a lot of yeah, marketing and, and little games and little hints and teasers and rewards and psychological mm. sort of stuff mm. that goes into this. Uh, and it's incredibly impressive. And I give a lot of credit to content creators because yeah, and then you've got to come up with the content mm. and create it and edit it and you know, all of the things that are involved. Um, so that was a huge takeaway f- for me watching this is just seeing how all of these people 
um, manage their content creation and their marketing of it and things like that. Just, yeah, how much work it is. Mm. I, and you con- the, I think what sucks is that you're constantly getting shit for that as well. There's always comments on social media being like, oh, you're so attention-seeking. Oh, you're so-. And you're like, yes, that is what marketing is. I'm literally seeking your attention yeah. to pay my bills. That's the job. So I think that's a bit of a slap in the face when it's just perceived as you wanting attention as though it's like a personal validation thing. And yeah. that's not, you know, some people may get that as well mm-hmm. and cool. If they get that too, that's great. But it, I think that, yeah, a bit of a slap in the face, I reckon. What did you think when the first thing you saw was the, like the awards? Oh, I, I want to be careful what I say there. <laughs> oh, I don't. I you think, um, look, I, I, this is very, it's very vain of me to say, but I'd love to win an award. I'd love to be like a little, oh, look at me. I have an award. Everyone look how valued I am. I love that sort of shit. So I, I'd love to win one. Um, I'd love to go to an event like that. I think it would be a lot of fun. I, I love to have a drink and meet people and go out and that sort of thing. When I see things from that event, I'm always like, oh, it's too much. It's too much. It's very, it just feels very over the top. And I have anxiety with all of that sort of stuff. And it just eh, feels like a lot for me. And I know that the, the awards themselves have been mired in a lot of controversy over the years. I don't want to get sued. Should I not say that? <laughs> I it's true. But uh, I don't know if there's been a change in that recently. Um, I don't know much about that sort of stuff. I did love that Billy was wearing sneakers with her dress because Agreed. like fuck yeah i'm not climbing cool. up those stairs to get an award yeah. and like yeah it's form meets yeah. function yeah. go girl Agreed. love it Agreed. yeah um yeah that was my thought yeah was no something. i was real i was like oh for fuck's sake wow like it's a very extreme reaction oh yeah mm. i hated it mm. and um yeah i mean i I've, I've talked on this podcast before about how i feel about awards for the sex industry i think it's fucked i don't think they should exist i think um awards for porn specifically a one thing um and i can't really speak to that as somebody who's not like a prolific porn performer but i think if you want to you know i mean i don't like award ceremonies in general i think the oscars are fucked i hate it all but um i can see the value in awarding art awards like i can i can understand that if you want to say this was a really great piece and you know the cinematography was great and you know the acting was great all the you know the porn acting was great whatever like that's fine but giving out awards based on, oh, yeah, I, I, I really hate it. I don't like it at all. And I also just think it's really hard because from outsiders coming in and looking at the industry, they don't know, you know, like I think they said something about it being like, you know, the most prestigious night of the year or whatever, the sex industry. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know a single sex worker who supports those awards. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, that's, that's absolutely not my experience. And I, I know most of the people I'm close with, have asked to not be associated in any way with those sorts of events. I don't even know which one it was. There's a couple of them. And, um, yeah, I've got massive problems with them. So when that was kind of the start of the thing, I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a bummer for me, but it is what it is. And from the outside, people can't know. But that's also what's frustrating because I know that non-sex workers are going to look at that and think, oh, all well, the sex workers are trying to get these awards and that's mm. not mm. – that's not representative of, no, of the full community. No, not at all. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I've said this again. I've said this on the podcast before, but like how the hell can somebody judge who gives the best girlfriend experience? Yeah, that's really hard. What are you, what are you talking about? Mm. Do you have a panel of judges who go around and book each of the people mm. and like what, what's going on there? Is yeah. there a kitty that they book them out of? Like it, it, it's just ridiculous. I really 
loved CJ. I just wanted to put that mm. in there. CJ, I think, is very much my vibe. The, like the coloured hair, the nerd mm. culture stuff. Mm-hmm. She was wearing a Jurassic World t-shirt. I was like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> um, I just thought she had a really cool energy and a cool vibe. And I was, you know, rooting for her the whole way through. I think everyone um, that was on there presented themselves really well and um, authentically. And mm. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, yeah I just I, I was like CJ, that's my girl. I, I re- love her. Yeah, I really <laughs> liked that they included her because she considers herself a sex worker, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't say that she she doesn't create traditional porn. No, you yeah, know? yeah. And I thought sure. that was really great for them to show because yeah. when you're talking about OnlyFans, it's not just porn. Totally. Um, and I think that came across. And I also th- I love that CJ considers herself a sex worker because, mm. you know, there's a lot of people in the sex industry who don't consider themselves sex workers because mm. – they only do like a little bit of, of sexual stuff or whatever. Mm. So for her to take that word and own it means a lot to those of us who are sucking dick, you yeah, know? it's nice. Yeah. Billy Beaver at one point commented that if you're really frightened of, of being outed or if you're frightened of your material mm. being exploited um, – you know, or getting out, um, then don't do OnlyFans, which is a really blunt way to put it, mm. but, but it's a good point. Like this mm. is yep. um, a, one of the biggest challenges that you face as a sex worker is that fear of outing. And particularly if you're a content creator, that content can be taken by anyone. And so um, I think, you know, there are people out there who might hear that and and, and go, oh gosh, well, that's a bit extreme. But I think mm. at its core, it's true. It's if you are deathly afraid that somebody is going to find out that you're creating porn online, then maybe it's not for you. Mm. And I appreciate that that's not always a decision people can make. There are people under all sorts of financial duress in life and they have to make decisions uh, for themselves on a case-by-case basis. Um, but on, on, in a very broad sense, you have to be aware of that threat and, uh, yeah. And of that reality. A, uh, that reality, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I thought that was great. Mm. And I think, it like, yeah, not everyone has that choice, but that's what it comes down to, right? It's if your fear of being outed mm. is greater than your need for that potential income, which is not a guaranteed income, yeah. that's the that's the line, yeah. you know. I found it difficult that the, uh, the researcher they had on. Ariana. Yes. Like, I know that you know they have to have the appeal to authority right they've always got to have the quote-unquote expert but what we're always fighting for when it comes to sex work is the acknowledgement that we are the experts and that nobody who doesn't have lived experience can be an expert no matter how much research they've done and there are a lot of sex workers out there doing research It's tricky because there's a lot of whorephobia in academia. So a lot of the time they can't use the same name and blah, blah, blah. And I don't, uh, I don't have experience with that myself, but I know that it's, it's a bit of a minefield. So I know that's not always that straightforward and I don't want to take away from the research that Ariana has done, but it is, it is frustrating when they go, oh, okay. And here's, and now we will cross to the expert, not just, you know, the people who are doing the job. And not only that, but I thought they gave her so much airtime. And I didn't think she said all that much, to be honest. Mm. A couple of her points were, like, I I thought it was great that she was included to talk about the, um, like, the data mining that they've done to work out how much people likely are actually making and that sort of thing. Like, I think that that was really valuable. I'm glad that was included. But um, she said at one point she said something about it harming people on both ends. She said that the creators ask, I think the quote is, is that really even me? Am I the same person when I'm not in this mode? And I was like... Yeah. Yeah. What? It that was I put bizarre. the photo up. What are you talking about, babe? Like we're fine. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and she said things like that OnlyFans changes people's views on love and sexuality mm. and confuses a sex worker's sense of self. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, that's a very – uh, a very big statement to be making. Yeah. Um, I think you could say maybe porn changes people's views in general mm-hmm. on maybe love and sex a little bit in a broad sense, but like OnlyFans does. I don't think mm. that that's unique to um, to that. And I still don't even think you can – we don't want to demonize porn. No. I think people just, you know, um, are influenced by by what's around them and they make their own decisions and assumptions. And, you know, it's a nature versus nurture sort of thing. Sometimes in life you're affected by various influences. But to say, yeah, that OnlyFans is changing people's view on love and sexuality and maybe making that harder for people to have relationships because they're tainted by viewing it, mm. that's the, the inference that I took yes. from what she was yeah. saying. Uh, and that, yeah, and that a sex worker's sense of self, like somehow we're damaging ourselves mm. irreparably. And by we can't creating- recognise ourselves anymore yeah. like what that's some real that's, pseudo yeah mm. I, mm. and you know i mean my favorite thing to do is always to compare these these comments to other lines of work right mm. and it's like does she say that about actors does she say yeah. when they look on the screen is that really me when they're literally like doing accents yeah. and have prosthetics and stuff like are they getting confused i don't think they're confused i think they look at it and go yes i was acting and that's what i was doing like mm. or or when people are working retail mm. do they look back on that and go oh was that really me with that fake dead smile and well no because it was your work persona <laughs> but that's okay like you're not going to lie awake sleepless at night mm. unable to reconcile the two mm. you just go well i was I was doing my job and now I'm at home. Like, it, I don't know. It's, it really, yeah. um, it really sounded like projection to me yeah. and, and a bit of that sensationalizing of, of sexuality and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. because we're doing the same thing as the actors, but our clothes are off that that fucks with our brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no, we're, we're good. We're all right. I mean, it might fuck with some people's brains, but mm, so might lots of things. Yeah. I think a lot of what she was saying was um, generally during the show was based in her research and data mm. and statistics. Yes. And that's great. Yeah. That felt like a very emotional mm. comment Agreed. that was not, um, yeah, that was not based in any fact. Mm. The st- Feel free to correct me if anyone has data that says that somehow sex workers lose their sense of self. Mm. Please send me that um, mm. that study. But yeah, I, yeah, didn't mm. love it. Um, I really loved that they did go to the e-safety commissioner and have a chat about um, mm. image-based abuse in a broad sense. I think um, that is relevant to OnlyFans creators. I think that that is relevant to anybody who puts even the most basic of, you know, half a titty pic on Instagram sort of thing. I think... It's, it's relevant to people today. I think image-based abuse sucks. It's mm. prevalent. It's out there. It's very hard to control. Um, I think that the, all the things that um, – I don't know what the gentleman's name was, but I think all mm. of the things that he said were factual and, and were great. My, my, my one problem with it, which is what you raised, was uh, the relevance of the, of the young woman whose images were taken and mm. um, taken from social media and then distributed. Yeah, I remember mm. you said to me, well, that's, that's not about OnlyFans. And I think, uh, you know, that's – sort of it's horrible we obviously yeah that's terrible and yeah yeah, but i don't know how that relates to um Mm, yeah to online sex work yeah i don't see the connection at all yeah i understand that it's saying well your images could be anywhere but Mm. i wonder whether they maybe should have spoken to a sex worker for that rather than a woman who didn't consent to any sexual pictures being out there and they weren't even pictures of her they were photoshopped digitally mm. you know sucks again i feel oh, 100%. fully we feel for yeah. her and that really sucks but yeah i feel like that is a little well bit and this is the thing right because when online sex workers have their content stolen i guarantee there are people out there who believe that that is okay mm. 
because, you know, that they have consented to yes, it. Yes, Because they've put it out well, there. Well, you got naked. Why did you do Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Whereas it's yeah. a... a, a it's not a whole different story. Both of those are completely unacceptable. Oh, sure. But I think that there would be people that go, yes, she was a victim, but the sex workers are not. That's my that's my fear with that. But I will also say I know that they worked really hard. Over that 18-month period, they contacted me many times. They were constantly scouting for people to be on the show. Yeah. Well, I know they had a few people on there who had to pull out. Yeah. Um, I know somebody who had to pull out, they contacted me a week or two, I think. No, a couple of weeks before it aired where somebody whose story they'd filmed and everything, they, they pulled out and they weren't yeah. comfortable with it going ahead. And I mean, I've got a friend in the industry who we often joke about, it's only those of us who have got nothing left to lose that will talk about the industry. Mm. <laughs> and unfortunately that means that the people that are being seen of the sex industry, we're not representative of the whole. Mm. We're just the ones that have already fucked it. We're either the lifers, the career people, or the ones who have been outed or have been, you know, and we've gone, oh, well, I've got nothing left to lose. So I think that that, it really narrows down who you can speak to. Um, And I do know that they tried and, you know, people will say it wasn't good enough. They didn't try hard enough, but I know that they did try. I think this comes back to the, um, it's a little bit of that, the issue with the audience being broader um, and me and, and them not being able to go into the details that I would like, which is that I think like a lot of they focused on stigma but it seemed to me that all of the stigma they talked about was inability to find a a loving partner the no one will ever love me Mm. and slut shaming and those two things are worth talking about I mean I thought it was interesting that there are multiple people in the documentary that do have loving partners and they didn't shy away from that, but it wasn't really, you know, we, I talked about my husband, CJ talked about her partner. So it would have been nice to be like, yeah, well they have these amazing, wonderful relationships, but anyway, that's fine. They didn't, they didn't hide that we have relationships. So while those things are valid and like they are worth talking about, um, slut shaming obviously exists and is disgusting and, Uh, You know, we constantly see discourse on the internet of would you date an OnlyFans creator as though that's a question even worth asking. Like, would an OnlyFans creator date you is the real question, of course. But the stigma and discrimination faced by sex workers is so much more than just being slut shamed and finding it hard to find a date. And not that like, you know, those things suck, but they they occur to a lot of people like you don't have to be a sex worker to be slut shamed and to have a hard time finding someone who will date you and and see you for more than you know just your body or, or whatever like you know we're talking about financial discrimination we're talking about housing instability having children taken away from you getting arrested and locked up and um, being held in foreign countries and things like that and you know the stuff we've talked about on this show so when when they say oh the stigma oh I'm being slut shamed. It's like, that is awful. And we need to deal with that. But it would be really nice if some mainstream platforms could say also sex workers are getting their bank accounts taken from them. Sex workers are being booted out onto the street and then they're being criminalized for working on the street when they've been kicked out of their home. Like it would be really nice to have that stuff covered because that's, that's the the kind of stigma that, that, um, that ruins lives and that kills people, you know? That's really serious. I noticed when they were speaking to Billy P, they did talk a little bit about um, deplatforming very, very briefly. But I was glad that they left that in because um, they gave Billy a bit of a chance to talk about losing their accounts mm. and how they have to get around that, changing characters. And I think um, you even said a little bit about it as well. Yeah. So, you know, social, social media is more and more key in sex, uh, especially, I think, 
obviously with things like, as we said, like with OnlyFans, I think you need to build your following there. And yeah, the fact that if those platforms to be able to work um, are being taken away from sex workers who aren't even, you know, we're not using it to solicit. We're not on there going, come and buy my, you know, it's it's usually a pretty vague oh, yeah. thing yeah. with a link to a website. And Well, there's usually not a link. Well, yeah, barely even she, these days. Yeah. yeah. And, and that somehow they just keep getting pulled down is, um, mm. it, it's, yeah, it's just another form of, of that discrimination and that mm. stigma. And um, yeah. And, and like you said, it's, it just puts further barriers in the way of making that money and forces people to take more and more risks. Yeah, that's it. And that, I mean, on that, I'd like to, it's a bit of a personal whinge, but you know, I've done some, some social stuff promoting this show. Um, I made a TikTok for them and they've used clips from the show on their, um, you know, Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And I was speaking to Siobhan actually the other day. Um, and she said, they heard from, from their legal team that they couldn't tag any of us in, um, in their posts, which was not a surprise in the slightest. And I don't, hold anything against ABC for this because I understand that they they need to keep their stuff running and they, I mean they get funding from the government I assume right so like they've got to they've got to watch themselves yeah. but so what that means right and and Siobhan said to me oh but you know like Google's a thing and I was like yeah it is except that we're all shadow banned and deplatformed constantly so and I, I spoke somebody the other day asked me oh did you get like a big increase in followers after the doco and I was like no I had, I've had, my followers haven't changed at all because no one can fucking find me, you know? And so they can't tag me, which again, I'm not holding that against them, but any other business. And this is like, people say, people ask if you get paid for things like this. And of course you fucking don't. And then people say, oh, well, payment and exposure. But for sex workers, we don't get exposure. We don't get, there's not like, (laughs) we can't be exposed, not allowed to be exposed, even though what we're doing is perfectly legal. We can't be linked to. So, you know, it's, I'm fine about that. I know that that's the way things are, but I just think often people don't realize, you know, they go, Oh, people can find you. And actually it's really hard to find us. You know, I have clients that struggle to find my social media accounts. They go, you're not on there anymore. I go, yeah, no, I am just, um, I did want to mention that I really enjoyed, um, the redhead girl. Um, uh, Oh, the really hot one, the hot one. Um, big juicy titties. She was great. I thought that she was, her name was Jenna Love. That's right. Oh yeah. Good name too. She spoke so wonderfully. Um, she was really honest and really frank. I feel like a lot of the stuff that she said, um, like she speaks really well, uh, very, she should start a podcast. She should. (laughs) She speaks really well. And she's very, obviously very educated in the subject and, you know, but there's still a lot of rawness and a lot of honesty and speaking from the heart. And, and that really came across as well so I thought that was that was really valuable thank you Your contribution was thank really you great. my love let's make out oh let's touch tongues <laughs> um it's interesting isn't it like I I did I've heard from a couple of people who said things like oh it was really nice to hear someone who spoke and this isn't what you said babe but who said oh it was really nice to hear someone who spoke so eloquently and was clearly like educated like a good representation and I was like look I really respect that um but it's kind of shit, right? It's kind of shit that that's because I'm the acceptable version of a sex worker mm. that some, that I'm well, like, look, if I can be an access point, that's great. Like I'm happy to be that bridge, but it's sort of like, yeah, but just because somebody doesn't speak as eloquently or doesn't have the education that I was lucky enough to just get, I didn't do anything to get that. You know, it's disappointing that, 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 that 
you know, the underlying thing for me there is you're not listening to their voices um, and their voices and their experience in the sex industry is exactly as valid as mine is, you know. So that that's a little bit disappointing, but that's not a shade on you no, at all. No, Please no, compliment no. me away. Always. You know, <laughs> you know I will. Uh, moving on to Sarah's story. Poor fucking Sarah. I think that her story mm. would be um, – so many people out there 100%. would be have yep. experienced a similar thing. You know, I think people are really quick to victim blame with this sort of thing and they go, well, if, if you put it out there, then, you, you know. Look, the societal pressures in general to keep up um, can be really, really hard on young people and, and people in general. And lots of people make mistakes, especially mm. when they're young. But we just make mistakes all the time in our lives. The thing with this sort of mistake is having to live with the consequences of that being visible on the internet forever is is crushing and potentially life-ruining. For somebody who had made a fleeting decision mm. to potentially be discriminated against for the rest of their lives when somebody finds it and somebody sends it to somebody that they know and, you know, um, that must be just absolutely terrifying and... Um, and I think that's really sad. I think that that could be part of things with OnlyFans. It could be part of something, you know, other image-based abuse. There's, you know, I've had people threaten to send pictures of this and that that I, mm. you know, sent to people in my youth and stuff. I I don't know what the solution is for that. I um I, I just, yeah, wanted to sympathise really. It, was, mm. it just really, really sucked to hear that. Um, And I'm glad she came to tell her story. That's very brave of her. And I think that, um, yeah, it's reflective probably of of many, many people. I also think, you know, Phoebe pointed out that you're you're more likely to compromise on your boundaries when you're financially stressed. And and that's so true. Um, I think it makes... when you're more vulnerable and you're desperate for money, of of course you're going to maybe make some allowances for things. And I think that often will fall on the most marginalized communities, Mm. people with, you know, migrants who don't have access to welfare or people with substance abuse problems or people in domestic violence situations and all of the other sorts of marginalized communities. Yeah. And then they're even further marginalized by then trying to make a living and trying to make ends meet and then that being used against them and the stigma of sex work being, um, mm. you know, compounding that. Uh, so I think boundaries in sex work um, and it, honestly in general in mm. life is something that a lot of people don't have skills in. Yeah, we haven't um, been taught. You don't get taught. And uh, and a lot of our generation grew up being told, you know, um, oh, hug and kiss to make up mm. and, you know, hug and kiss your auntie or do this or whatever. And you didn't learn to that, that no was okay and um, and to put your foot down. You learned as a child to, to respect authority and to listen to this person and to be compliant. These days I think young people hopefully are starting to learn a little bit more of asserting themselves and, and having boundaries, but it takes time and it takes practice and a lot of deep thought to decide what those boundaries are. And especially in sex work, you don't know until you Hmm. really are in those positions. And then that financial pressure, yeah, can make you more likely to bend those limits. You might say, well, I won't do that. But as a few of them discussed, then you're offered X amount or whatever. And you think, "Mm, okay, I could Mm. do that maybe. And then that just puts people at at risk of of having a lot of regret over those things. So, Mm. But uh, the issue there, of course, is is poverty, is yes. fucked immigration policy. Of course is, it is. You know, like yeah. the issue isn't sex work, but then as you've said, then they go into sex work and then the issue is the stigma of Absolutely. sex work on top of that. Um, so, yeah, it's just really, really hard. It's really hard to see that people like Sarah and like many, many, many others out there were in really shitty positions and did what they could to survive or what they did 
they just did. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a survival thing. Sometimes you just do something and um, and the fact that the consequences of that hangs over them forever is horrible. I mean, it's similar to, um, you know, one of, one of my best friends um, made a stupid mistake in her youth and that was put in the newspaper with her full name and stuff. Mm. And for decades later, people would Google her name, employers and stuff, yep. and, and it fucked her around. I mean, it, it, yeah. When do people? Yeah. Anyway, I just, mm. I, yeah, it's just really horrible that you you don't get a chance to move forward from some things. And with sex work, the stigma around that means that when people want to torture you with it, mm. um, well, and especially when you haven't done something quote unquote wrong, yeah. you're not harming anyone. Yeah. You're not like it's not objectively a wrong thing to do. Of course, it's not. And that's what. Having you a body and, and doing sexual things with it is really pretty chill. I mean, yeah. we're, we're happy to air violence and have violence 100%. everywhere. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it's, it's just awful. And there's, there's, there's no easy solution. I'm not here with some sort of radical view on it. But I, I really felt um, for her and all the people going through that, it's, it's really tough. Speaking of things I really feel for, mm. can we talk about Billy Beaver and her bra and the hate crime that was the production not fixing her bra? Oh, I didn't see it. <gasps> Oh, no. babe. What did I miss? I was like, honey. Okay, so her bra, one of the bras she was wearing, like a black set, it was twisted. So it was um, like it was underneath. It was all. So from the front, I went, oh, fuck, her bra looks like it's twisted. And then they showed a, a photo of the, a, a shot of the back. And I was like, oh my God, her bra's twisted. How? What's happening? And I was just so stressed. I was. I found it so distracting. And I was like, why did no one help her? And I would die if that was me. That is very, very you, and I'm, I'm glad you've raised this topic because mm. it's really yeah. Look, I thought while we're talking mm. about sensitive mm. subjects, mm. totally, this needs to be addressed. Oh, I can see it in my eye. It really it torments me. You're funny. I I did want to say what a freaking sweetheart her mum was. Oh yeah. Loved oh, I loved in that they were able to get the mum on the Wasn't show. Wasn't she great? She was oh. so sweet, and she's like, I just told loved people. That. She just yeah. she she does a job. It's just different to ours. And yeah. Oh, Loved her. Yeah, fucking legend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we love you, Mrs. Yeah. Beaver. Mrs. Beaver. <laughs> She's great. On the flip side to Sarah's story and the story of probably vast amounts of people who've been on OnlyFans, I did want to say how fantastic it is that during the age of this pandemic that OnlyFans was rising in a lot of ways because there, although X amount of the wealth is held by X amount percentage mm. of the um, – creators on on OnlyFans there are still a lot of people out there that in the middle of a pandemic were able to get a little bit of a little bit of money in their account a little bit of food on the table um, particularly in-person sex workers who were not able to meet up one-on-one it gave them an opportunity just to help uh, and and that's massive um, so that's I just think that that's wonderful timing if we, we seem to have a pandemic you know every decade and if it happened to fall when we had internet and only fans available to a lot of people that um that's really great there's a lot of people out there that i think we're really grateful to have some opportunity um mm. to get in get a little bit of cash and get out if they they want or to totally change their life and off they go and mm. decide that this is what they want to do so yeah and a lot of people did do that yeah there's a there's a plus side to um to some of that uh the mid-range of OnlyFans, you know, not the glamorous yeah, millions yeah. of dollars and the, yeah. not the depths of, um, of of poverty. But, yeah, there's some people out there that it, it definitely mm. really helped. Well, look, it helped me. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It really – it helped me. It helped keep me afloat during the pandemic for sure and it meant that I didn't feel like I needed to put me or my family's health at risk by going to do in-person work. Mm. So that's pretty – that and 
the welfare I received from the government. I was very lucky to get that. And yeah, um, I just wanted to talk about, um, they did mention in the show, the, um, like the verification stuff with OnlyFans that I think the e-safety commissioner brought it up and they contacted OnlyFans and OnlyFans said, yeah, well, we need, you know, everyone has to be verified, which is great. But I, it made me think of my recent experience, which is cause that rule didn't used to be in place. And I would post all sorts of stuff on there. Um, I'd post a lot of content of me with my clients, which sad, I'm sad that I can't do that anymore because a lot of the feedback I got of my porn was that it was awesome how it was different bodies mm. um, and it was all shapes and sizes and it was real because I've always, my porn has always been very real. It's not unusual for there to be farting in there. It's not unusual. I always use condoms and, and will show putting them on and everything. So that was something I really, really liked. But because of these new verification procedures, I can't use any of that footage from the last few years, which is kind of sucks. But, um, you know, I had the consent of those, like the verbal consent of those clients. I didn't get photographs of their ID and a written consent form because that just wasn't the way that you did things. Anyway, so I can't use that footage now. And then I went through this lull. I went through a really tough time in 2021 when in, uh, in where I live, we had our second lockdown uh, because of COVID and I really struggled. My mental health was in the fucking toilet. And that on top of all this new stuff that got brought in with, in terms of verification for all of these websites meant that suddenly I could only do like solo porn because Mr. Love was not comfortable giving his ID to these dodgy fucking websites. And mm, I think that totally. that is very reasonable. Yeah. Um, and I supported him in that, but it meant that I could only do solo work then. And because I felt so shit about myself and, and just was having, it's really hard to be sexy in a pandemic. Like, it just is as much as yeah it's like that's the the reality of it but then a few months ago I was like okay I either need to I got to this point in my life where I went I need to stop doing the online sex work or I need to go hard and and make it work and Mr. Love and I spoke we had a few conversations and he decided he was comfortable with giving his idea over and doing that so I started the verification process so I followed all the steps and I sent through the information to verify an additional performer on my channel. Of course, they did not respond um, for a couple of days. Then I got a thing saying, thanks, we've forwarded the documents on to our dedicated review team. I went, cool. A week later, I said, hi, is there any update on this? This is like an impromptu shit people say. Um <laughs> Then they got back two days later and said, please be informed um, that your documents are being verified by our dedicated team. Please allow it extra time to get reviewed. And then I wrote back again. I said, hi, I'm just wondering if there's been any movement on this as it has been over 20 days since I submitted Gosh, them. That's crazy. Um, and yeah, cause at this point we'd started doing it and I was like, right, okay, I want to do this properly. I want to get into it. And I had this content ready to share and was waiting to earn my money, you know, mm. cause so, you know, some people love solo stuff, but it's probably for me it doesn't tend to be as lucrative and I also just I'm not as interested in it so then I finally got this email so three three or so weeks after I sent in the documents I got thanks for reaching out the dedicated team is currently reviewing your documents however you can already start uploading content with this new participant oh and that's the last I heard from them that was a couple of months ago oh so I was like, so he doesn't need to be verified yeah. or he do, or are you suddenly, so I just think it's interesting that they're like, everyone has to be verified. And then they just said to me, oh, we haven't checked. Oh, it off. Off give it go. a go though. <laughs> so I don't like, I don't know what's to come of that. I don't know if there'll be an update, but, um, that was my weird personal experience with them. When they were talking with CJ, they were, uh, did a little bit about how stalking is a, a potential mm. thing mm -hmm. and sure it is and we can a lot of sex workers can sadly relate to that but I also wonder 
you know, it's it's really not exclusive to OnlyFans. And I feel like in the age of social media, this is an increasing thing. It's more about the internet than it is about OnlyFans. I think I know quite a few YouTubers who have been oh, yeah. stalked, uh, Instagram people, TikTokers, a lot of people who people have found their addresses and they've turned up and things like that. Like, you know, it's awful, terrible thing. But I've heard of lots of um, identities on social media who have been stalked or had, you know, strange things like that or been recognized and in weird interactions. Um, I think sex work, it's probably a little bit more of a risk because of, you know, the nature of adult content um, can make people be a little bit more strange about it like people get weird um yeah because of the stigma because of the stigma totally because they got weird ideas about it totally that somehow it makes you more available um sexually or something and so sure that's you know that's a a very relevant point but yeah i think maybe that they could have done a little bit about how just that is very relevant to the social media age and Mm. then um because of sex work it can then be a, a bit more of an increased risk. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting actually that CJ's take on it, and this is the thing, right, we all put down our own boundaries and work out how we're going to navigate things that in a way that suit us because mm. um, her sort of thinking was that she didn't offer chatting services because she didn't want to invite that sort yeah, of to encourage thing. It. Yeah, yep. which is really interesting because my take my experience has almost been the opposite, that when I have engaged people further, when I've done in-person work, for instance, when I've actually met someone and or spoken to them on the phone or had uh, actually what I would call like a, a proper interaction with them, they've been less likely to be obsessive. And like I find yeah. the experiences I've had with obsessive people have been people that have just viewed me from a distance. Right. So anyway, I'm not saying she's wrong in that. Like that's, that's of, your experience. Uh, yeah, that's mm. just what my take. And it's just interesting because I, I sort of, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, um, yeah, the internet is a bit of a scary place. The world is a scary place. And, you you know, we get targeted. It's not our actions that cause us mm. to be targeted. You know, somebody engaging in chatting services is not asking to be targeted, obviously, sure. by a stalker. Stalker's mm. going to stalk. And neither is somebody doing sex work in general. No. Like, that's not an invitation. Or having a YouTube channel. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My final point today is that I would say generally um, the hardest part of sex work, obviously, is the danger of assault and the danger of physical violence, uh, I suppose. Aside from that horrible danger, the, the other hardest thing is the outness. Um, and I think that being the outness is harder than the sex work itself. The, the work itself um, is is fine. No worries. Like the, you know, and mm. this is different for everyone anyway. But oh, I mean, sorry. the outness ties into the potential for violence of as course. well. That's, yeah. Yeah. So the, the sex itself is fine. The hunger for quick money is something that, you know, a lot of people have. We all want to um, pay our bills and get ahead. And a lot of people want to keep up with each other. And that's very normal. But yeah, those two things that sex workers face is that physical danger and stigma, um, social danger, which are very interrelated and they're, mm. they're tied together. Um, and I think the problem with OnlyFans is that a lot of people think, well, I'm not meeting people in person. At least I'm not seeing people. So I'm avoiding that danger. Yeah. But I think people then neglect to acknowledge the risk that you face in other personal avenues of your life yeah. from the stigma so you can say well yeah i don't meet people so i'm safe but there's there's other things that can impact you for example if you want to do in-person sex work and you go out to a brothel and you go there at 8 p.m at night and you work and only the clients that book you or sorry only the clients that meet you see you and you go home and nobody knows 
very easy to deny. Mm. If you create an OnlyFans video and you put it out there and everyone sees it and it's out there forever because somebody scrapes it and yeah. uploads it to another site, you can't get rid of that. So, yeah, I think that for a lot of people who say, well, you know, it's less risks doing mm. OnlyFans, I I don't know if that's always true and I think that that's really important to remember. Yeah, 100% agree. Mm. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to have said, oh, I don't care, who knows? I don't, And I'm like... Okay, like love that for you. Mm. But we're not just talking about the people that you know now in your life and whether they accept sex work or not. We are talking about anybody you may ever come into any kind of contact with again. We are talking about potential future employers, people who have control over your housing, people who have control over your like temporary, like even if you're staying somewhere and, you know, if you're on holidays and like – I just, yeah, I fully agree with you. It's, it's really hard. And like, I love that energy. And of course I'm out, we're both out, you know? Um, and I love that energy and I am like, yeah, fucking who cares what people think, but what people think can actually have incredibly real impacts on your life. Thank you. You articulated that a lot better than I did. <laughs> Trying to get that 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 point out was a bit of a mess, but we got there. You, you guys, <laughs> it was you, good. You get the point. I hope that Mr. Love edits that enough. So it's, no, it's not, we say things in different ways. Not as and much that's of a mess. But our value as a duo. We got there. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's that's our take. Thank you for tuning in. I feel like there are multiple groups of people that might sue us now. So. Um, Cross your fingers for us and we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is somebody you pod as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month and you can get all of our episodes ad free and a day early plus bonus episodes behind the scenes, action bloopers and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker.